It's my podcast. Change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Anyways, hey, how's everybody doing? Today is August the 8th, 7 p.m., on a Monday, my name is Andre Anderson. I am both founder and host of BSTL, and this is, I want to say, episode 12. Um, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, and of course, for those of you that are wondering how to get in touch with me, uh, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Uh, so let's get right into this one. Um, so recently, I was on uh, LinkedIn. I was just kind of just going through different profiles. I like to see stuff that's there. Uh, I am a very visual type of person. So something popped up um, in my newsfeed on my LinkedIn page. And maybe uh, some of you have seen this already, maybe not, and that's okay. Um, but it's this uh, short video of a cat um, that is uh, heading towards uh, this bird uh, that is resting on uh, some type of a grid of some sort. And the bird is about to uh, kill, not the bird, sorry, rather the cat is about to kill this bird. And apparently when the cat gets close enough, uh, the cat realizes that this bird is blind. And so therefore, uh, the bird does not see the danger that's coming. The bird does not see uh, what kind of animal it is. And here's the thing, um, the cat, rather than killing it, uh, decides that I'm just going to kiss this bird. And that's pretty much where the video ends. And so, of course, as I'm like in my thoughts, in my feelings, I start to think about leadership um, and what does that look like? Now, here's the thing. Uh, in this video, really, all you see are the two characters. You see the cat, you see this bird, you see the location. Um, but what you don't see is who is it that's behind the actual camera? So here's the thing that I want to talk a little bit about today. It's um, how we handle those uh, that don't see the danger that's coming uh, towards them. And maybe I'll just try to explain this thing uh, before we really get into the conversation. So in this video, um, I want to make the cat uh, the manager, okay? I want to I make them a part of the leadership team. And then I want to make the bird, you know, the, those that kind of like report to us, those that are, um, you know, they are, we are responsible for leading them. Now, on every single team that you find, um, there are some individuals who get it, like they understand, like you got to be to work on time, you got to get your computer open, you've got to have your files there, like however it is that you do your job, there are some people that just, um, they just get it, right? And we celebrate those individuals, right? As a matter of fact, when we have month ends and we celebrate and we give out awards, et cetera, et cetera, we know how to reward the people that get it. Um, but then we also have the other individuals, and those individuals are, um, they're nice, they're kind, um, we enjoy having them around, um, but they don't necessarily get it, right? It's almost like no matter how many times you speak with them about the need to be productive, uh, you have clarified, you have given them their description, you've held them accountable, you've told them exactly what it is that you need from them. And for some reason or another, uh, they just don't seem to get it. Now, in that moment, as leaders, how we handle those individuals, 
will determine the type of culture that we create in the workforce. So now let me explain this to you. So in this video, as this cat is now getting closer to this bird and recognizes that there's a deficiency that is in this bird, um, the cat has to make a decision. Pounce on it and kill it because it's hungry and it wants to make an example to all other blind birds. Or the cat can kiss it and maybe let it live uh, to see another day. And maybe here's one of the things that I'm discovering uh, in my own journey, in my own past, in my own present context, that how we deal with those who don't get it, who do not see the danger that's coming, will often determine the type of culture that we are creating around us. And when I say the culture, remember, whenever something happens, there's always a camera that's rolling, right? There's always somebody that's off um, off the frame, but they are in the room. And what happens is, is that sometimes as leaders, um, because our desire is to remove those who may have issues, who have challenges. Now, let me just tell you this a short story, if you don't mind. Um, I remember years ago, um, I was leading uh, a specific team. Uh, the team was doing great. Like when I say great, um, we were second uh, in terms of performance. We were doing like everything we needed to to do. We were smashing it. Uh, we were like, it was just incredible. And of course, as leaders, we always want to have that kind of team. So here's the thing. On my team, there's one particular individual that was not necessarily doing uh, so well. As a matter of fact, they were a problem for me. And when I say a problem, I don't mean that I dislike them, but you know, like every now and then you've got somebody on your team that you perceive as being needy. Uh, you have to talk to them more often. You've got to like, uh, you know, keep repeating yourself, etc. Well, I had one of those on my team and, and, it, and it seemed like no matter how often, like I tried everything, you know, I tried to give incentives, um, I tried to give the individual some additional time to just relax. I, I mean, I tried it all. And no matter what happened, every single time we went into these month ends and we were talking about how they were doing and taking look, a look at their numbers, I mean, I was asking everything, like, what can I do uh, to support you better? No matter what happened at the end of the month, no matter how many perks, no matter how many things I tried to give to this individual, the reality is they just were not performing. Okay. So because I am a high uh, achiever, like I like things to do well, like I want to be, and it's not about competition. It's just, I like things to be done well. If my name's going to be on something, I, I want it to be done well. So the reality is after a while, this particular individual became a, a nuisance on some level. Um, I, I had a hard time managing them because like, what do you do with somebody who is unable to change, like unable to change, not willing to change. And, you know, when you speak to some of these individuals, no matter how you try to like say to them, look, here's what I need you to do. There's always like this pushback, right? So can I, can I be honest with you? I was coming for them. <laughs> I was like trying to figure out like, how am I going to like get this person um, off my team, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, like looking for reasons to like get some additional content um, in their file until one day, again, true story, um, they came into work and they were clearly um, upset. Um, you know, it was one of the first uh, few times uh, that they had, you know, come into work looking that kind of way. They were sad, they were downtrodden, they were a bunch of things. 
And um, so I pulled them off the floor and I was like, all right, can we talk? Is there something that's going on? And then they began to like unload, right? So they began to unload and say this was what was happening. They were having some challenges in their personal life. Uh, having some challenges, um, you know, financially, et cetera. There was just a lot that was happening for them. And here's the thing. That conversation changed so much for us, right? Because as her leader, right, as her manager, um, without having the context as to what she was going through, my assumption just was that, you know what, not trying to do the right thing, not trying to do their job. And so therefore, you know, like what else can I do with them but to try and help them to opt out of being there, being employed perhaps. But that conversation really helped to humanize her, right? So sometimes we look at individuals as a part of our stats, right? So we've got this these benchmarks. At the end of the month, we wanna be able to look at the numbers and say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And I think sometimes we don't see people as people, we see them as commodities, right? We see them as individuals who can further make us look good, but they are real people, right? So the reality is the greatest resource that you have on any team that you will lead is always going to be your human resources. So here's the thing. I thought um, that uh, having had this conversation with this individual, that this was going to change some things. Like we we were talking a little bit more. The the relationship was a little bit less um, adversarial. Um, they were starting to like do a little bit better, but they were not necessarily making the cut. Okay, so here's what happens. Um, at the end of uh, the month, um, myself and several other um, leadership uh, leaders within the leadership team. Uh, we begin to talk about some of the challenges that we're all um, facing um, on all of our teams, right? Because nobody ever has a perfect team. So at the end of this meeting, here's what happens. Um, somebody brings up, you know, a great idea. Can't say that it's my idea, but it's a great idea nonetheless. They say to me, all right, look, Andre, I've got this person on my team. Um, and they're not necessarily performing so well either. I've done everything. I've coached them. I've given them the tools. I've given them the training, et cetera. I mean, we both basically did the same thing, but with different individuals. So here's what we did. Uh, we decided in that meeting that we were going to exchange um, team members and one would go on another team and then the other one would go on a different team and we would see how it would work. Can I just be honest? Uh, and it's not necessarily something that I'm proud to say, um, but when that individual left my team, they never did better. Like when I say never did better, like I mean everything literally changed um, for that individual the moment they were no longer on my team. And on the flip side, again, complete transparency, when I got that other individual that joined my team, that individual went from like failing royalty, royally rather, to now literally being one of the top performers on my team. So here's what I discovered. The initial conversation that allows for um, both this individual and myself to have a conversation which now helps me to understand that they do have some blind spots, right? So even though I'm, I'm engaging them in the office in a work setting, that's not the only thing that they've got going on for them. 
So now when I learn a little bit more about who they are and what they're experiencing, and, and once we've gone in, in, into this leadership meeting and we begin to share some of the weaknesses that are on our team, and we have this idea, rather than cutting them off, put them on another team, maybe another leader will be able to motivate them in a different kind of way, that actually works tremendously in that moment for us. Now, here's the other thing, and this might be the main thing, and it's the reason why I'm talking about this cat and this bird. Uh, the reason why I'm saying this, or at least sharing this on this podcast today, is because here's the the, the, the reality. When this... Uh, this footage is being filmed, right? It's, it's, it's really short. It's like less than two minutes. What we often forget as leaders is how we deal with those who are in a weakened, blinded kind of state sends a clear message to others who may not be on the radar what may happen to them if they do not comply and or fall in line. All right, let me say it a different way. If that cat would have eaten that blind bird alive, there's more to be said about the cat than there is to be said about the bird, right? The cat is hungry. The cat is going towards this bird for one reason and one reason alone. It's hungry and it wants to have a meal. But why go after the one that is blinded and vulnerable and doesn't necessarily have the ability to fight back for itself? And really, here's really what I'm trying to say to us. As leaders, we have to remember that what's on camera is one purview, but then you also have an entire audience that is around you that is making observations about how you lead. So while you may be well within your rights to go after the individuals that are underachieving, that may not be hitting their benchmark, and you've tried everything, you personally have tried everything, one of the things that I've discovered is sometimes it works better, not by coming after them, but by perhaps putting them in another space when you've exhausted all resources. Now, I think that this is important because here's the thing. Nobody actually wants to go to work when they are constantly thinking about the fact that if they make a mistake, they're going to be on the chopping block, right? Nobody wants to actually be in an environment where they are only embraced and accepted and celebrated based on how they do on the top side of their work performance, right? And here's the thing. One of the things I've also discovered is, guess what? For every cat, there is a bigger cat, which therefore means how we treat the birds, the blinded ones, the vulnerable ones, the ones that are struggling to keep up with the rest of the pack, when it comes time to moments where we as leaders uh, may not necessarily be achieving the way that we should be, how will management deal with us? Now, I don't necessarily believe in karma per se, but I do also do I do also believe that whatever it is that we reap, we do generally um, it's as a result of what we've sown. And so maybe this conversation today is um, really intended to help us to understand that there's got to be like an ethic, I think. And when I say an ethic, there's got to be 
just like a standard across the board, whether or not you're in the private sector or in the public sector, like there are some meetings that you go to where people are failing royally. And if you don't necessarily have a context as to what they're going through and what they have to experience in their own personal lives, you may out the fire in them prematurely and cut them um, sooner than they need to. Um, but maybe what I'm suggesting is, is that you can try a different method. Try uh, moving them around, putting them on a different team. Put them with somebody that may work with them better than you do. And let me just say this. It doesn't mean that you're failing because you're unable to motivate everyone. Like, I, I don't know. I, I know that this is a thing for a lot of us as leaders. We want to be able to walk people from point A all the way to point Z. And what I've discovered is no one leader has all um, the real estate on all of the resources. Not all leaders are going to gel with every single personality type. There are going to be some individuals that no matter what you do, they will never be motivated by you. And it's not an indictment as to whether or not you're a good leader or not. It just means that sometimes you should cut some people loose, but hand them over to somebody else who may be able to work with them in an effective kind of way. I think that there's something to be said, you know, like in the office space, again, whether it's a nonprofit or for profit, I think there's something to be said that when people are not achieving, we do have the capacity to walk them through and lead them to other resources that may be more effective in working with them than not. Uh, when we do so, we also change the culture. And, and when I say the culture, we create a culture where we are not targeting individuals that are falling behind. We find a way to keep them within the pack. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said when you have a lower uh, turnover rate. Like, why are people leaving? Like, why are people quitting before they get fired? Like, there's something to be said about that. Because sometimes when people can see that the writing is on the wall and, and management is beginning to clean house and they're getting rid of these types of personality types and these kinds of men and these kinds of women and they're bringing in a certain type of group that may be a whole lot more compliant, when that continues to happen time and time and time again, what you're really saying is, I don't really value you as a person. I value what it is that you bring to the office. Now, let me also put this disclaimer out there. Because for some, uh, when they are underachieving, that becomes the quality or the standard of the work that they put in. And listen, at the end of the day, you still need to be productive in the work that you are doing. Because at the end of the day, you are hired um, to do a job or you are volunteering to do a job because there's a mission, there's a vision, there's some core values, and we're hoping to create a specific type of environment. And if you're not embodying that and or able to do that, um, maybe you can opt out. But if you want to be there and you want to do it well, I think that it's up to the management team along with some really clear communication that comes from the individual that says, I may not be doing so well, but I'm thankful that you have created an environment here that would allow me to say, I may not perform as well on your team, but I'm willing to go to another manager. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing well. It just means that sometimes you've got to move the pieces around in order for the puzzle to make sense. 
And throughout my years, I've discovered that. Um, my personality type doesn't gel with everyone. There are some that like my my type A point um, personality type and others that do not. I'm results driven. I get all of that. But one of the things that I'm now beginning to understand is that it doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't always have to be stats um, based. It doesn't always have to be uh, quantitative per se. But I think the quality of the environment that we create create is essential. And the more we create an environment where we do not try to cut those off that do not perform at a specific level, we create a level of comfortability that may create a better, more stronger and solid and productive environment because people understand that we don't go after the vulnerable. We help them by any means necessary. Again, my name's Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder. And if you'd like for me to come out and speak with your organization on this topic and or many other topics, please reach out BSTL Inc. Uh, 21 at gmail.com. See you again next week. Hope this thing has been useful to you. Um, I've enjoyed talking about it. So we're not going to cut them off. We're going to find a way to help them out. Take care. All right, everybody, this is the recap. And of course, this is just the recap on what we have been talking about in today's uh, podcast of Don't Kill Them. So here's number one. Whenever you arrive to a team, please do not, do not uh, take creed or hearing to the dissenting voice. You want to make sure that you go in there and you're neutral so that you do not demonize somebody prematurely. Number two, we want to make sure that you are acknowledging who may be the weak link on your team, but we want to be empathetic towards them. We want to personalize them so that we do not make things worse on the team. Number three, Here's another one. If it's not working out on your team, don't be afraid to move people around because sometimes a fresh start is the best thing that can happen for you and it can also happen for them. Number four, you've got to create a team, an environment that is essential to work with so that you will thrive regardless of what's happening because the better your team is, the stronger your team is, is the more productive you will be. That's it for today. This is The Recap, and we'll see you again next week, Monday.